This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome into the Sweaters Forever podcast on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Shippy from the KNC Masterpiece, 10 to 2 on 105.3 The Fan. And joining me as always is my man Gavin Spittle at GJ Spittle on Twitter. But you might know him better as the Hockey Hawk. Hawk, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Ready to crank out some good stars talk, some NHL talk. We got some mailbag questions. So uh, pre-Thanksgiving little podcast. Yeah, looking forward to it. And we'll start this thing off with the question that has to be asked. Stars fall to the Blackhawks 3-0. to zero. Do you see them getting back on track here? How serious is this loss? Wow, well, no, man. <laughs> you know, the thing about it is in any league, in any sport, you're going to lose at any time. And, I mean, if if you were a Stars fan and you were highly optimistic about them going into Chicago and beating the Hawks, coming off a back-to-back in which you beat Vegas in a tough game, um, you know, it's just, that's a rough back-to-back. I mean, they were even asking Coach Montgomery after the game last night, you know, what do you think of these backs-to-backs? And he said, you know, it's just part of the game, so we got to right. do it. But now you got St. Louis coming in in a couple of days, so the schedule's starting to get a little tougher. Then you have to go to Minnesota. You got a couple against Winnipeg. You got the Islanders coming up. So, yeah. you know, it's a tough little stretch for the uh, Stars, but it was an amazing run. Um, and, you know, time to start a new streak. Corey Crawford was good last night. I think people forget how good Corey Crawford is as a goaltender in this league. He's for a, a while, I was like, is he even in this league again? Yeah. He, he wasn't in for so long. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I mean, Corey Crawford is a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Yeah. And yeah. Chicago played the Stars tough. That's a, that's a tough matchup for the Stars. And they played them tough the other night at the AAC. So you knew it was going to be a difficult game as it is. And then to play off a of back-to-back, I mean, you know, it happens. You lose 3 nothing on to the next game. But right now, you know, you're a couple of points away from first place. And yeah. I don't think we'd be saying that about a month ago. Yeah, it's, uh, it just feels weird because they haven't lost in such a long time. It was kind of a weird feeling to experience those emotions again. What have you seen from uh, Rope Hintz and John Klingberg since they came back? Obviously, Klinger's been pretty big for them since uh, returning to the lineup. Yeah, Klinger, it, it was weird. Almost like the rest helped him because I think he had a lot of pressure on him to perform early on in the season. I thought maybe he was doing a little too much. So to watch him come back, uh, to me, looks smoother. Um, especially on the power play, carrying the puck defensively. You know, he looks good. So uh, I'm real excited about that, pairing up with Lindell. And once again, what it does is it drops other defensemen down. Yeah. So you got a real strong top six now. Um, and the health of Roman Polak. 
So, I mean, Secker is back. So you really have your, you know, healthy defense for really the first time this season. So that's great. Uh, I love Hintz's speed. Um, you know, uh, kind of interesting that his first goal coming back was off a deflection off of him. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I still want to see Montgomery pair him with Gurionov and keep those together, maybe with a Pavelski, because I want to see that speed utilized by the Stars. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that, uh, I believe when it was, it was in his first game back, he was centering Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, who had been working with either Jason Dickinson typically or, or Justin Dowling. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that that's the way that Monty decided to do things once he came back. What did you see from that and how surprised were you as well when you, you know, when that turned out to be the case? I was a little surprised because as good as Justin Dowling and then he went down with the injury, I thought Jason Dickinson was playing at, you know, at a yeah. very high level. Yeah. Um, and I think Jason Dickinson brings to the table what Dowling does, but he's got a better scoring touch. Mm-hmm. I think Dickinson, as he grows, I don't want to use the term selkie, you know, but I mean, he's a very good defensive forward. Yeah. And I think that allows space for Ben and Sagan um, to do their thing on the offensive side. And Jason Dickinson can also put the puck in the net. We saw that the other night. So I was a little surprised. But, you know, one thing that I will say is Jim Montgomery loves moving those lines around. Yeah, he does. You know, from game to game, it seems as though it's constantly changing. And, you know, you had a chance to catch up with Jim Montgomery the other day. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the guys that I asked about and that he talked about to me and uh, Corey Majors, we were out at uh, at that Shark Club for a little station event. And uh, one of the things that I asked him about was, hey, what? why is Justin Dowling between Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan working so well? And he said that basically Dowling is one of the smartest players that they have on that team. Like, he and Dickinson, he basically used them kind of interchangeably. They're very similar players, as you were just saying. And he talked about Jason Dickinson probably with the better scoring touch, like you were saying. But he moved Tyler Sagan to the right wing because they need Sagan to score more. And in the center, you have to you're, you have a lot more defensive responsibility, yeah. and so that's why he said that he's moved Sagan. And I would I would assume, unless there's some big injuries that strike or whatever, knock on wood. That, but if that's not the case, I think we're going to continue to see Tyler Sagan on that right wing because he wants somebody else to take on that defensive responsibility. And he said he said that Seggs has done a great job of improving his defensive game. He's like, he's he's a great defensive center. You know, he's really improved his game all 200 feet on the ice, but um, that he just needs Sagan to get goals, and he wants him to focus on that. He knows that if he needs him on the penalty kill, he can throw him out there and those sorts of things, but right now he wants he wants Sagan to, to focus on putting the puck in the net. So I thought it was interesting that, that Dowling, or that uh, Monty said that about Dowling, being one of the smartest players and one of their best playmakers as well, and that's why he likes him up the middle uh, on those big lines like that. You know, I love, I look at Dowling Dickinson as kind of those glue glue guys. Cogliano's another one of those guys, yeah. whereas if you look at the score sheet, you'd be like, oh man, this guy's not doing well. But right. then you look inside the game, on the ice, what they're doing defensively, how they're winning key faceoffs, how they're killing yeah. penalties. You know, guys like that turn out to be invaluable. You can't have all your guys piling up the points. That's right. a really interesting point about moving to say moving Sagan to the wing for that reason. Yeah. To get more shots because inevitably wings are going to get more shots than the center position. Mm-hmm. The only thing I was worried about is the punishment that Sagan might take, mm-hmm. but you know that you know in today's NHL it doesn't happen as much yeah. where you're going to get pressed up against the board and basically players are now floating around more than ever. 
Yeah, and another thing that we got into that we were, you know, alluding to earlier is the start that they got off that they got off to. You know, the horrible start, one seven and one, worst start ever, and then it got even worse from there. And it was interesting that he basically said that he basically he pointed to like you get this like you get this playoff team from last year that was so close to making the conference finals. You had a guy like Joe Pavelski, you had a Corey Perry. And even though Corey Perry wasn't playing yet, he thought that in the room there was this expectation of like, oh, well, we're just going to pick up right where we left off. And maybe there was just a little bit of, not a lack of effort, but just maybe a lack of enthusiasm or or they didn't think they were going to have to try as hard because they added so much talent to an already really talented team. But he also said that he paired that with, he thought, and he said this about himself, he said, "I, I was too hard on him in the beginning. You know, when he had all those comments coming out and, and, and criticizing the team, he said, you know, I, pu- I put a little bit of pressure, too much pressure on them when they were already putting the pressure on themselves. And he said from there that the whole room just lost all of its confidence during that stretch. And so he was like, man, once we finally got it rolling again and the confidence is obviously taken off since then, and how could it not during this this stretch of amazing hockey they've been playing? But he said it was really nice to see the confidence come back to the room, and now you're seeing the team that we all expected. And he said that the scariest part to him is that they're not even playing well yet. Like, That's amazing. Like Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, they've been. He, he said they've been good, obviously, over the last six or seven games. But he said they're not even playing to their potential yet. And that and look at the run they were just on. So he's feeling very, very good about that. Um, and you know, I thought it was interesting that. He took the time. He's like, "Look, I, it's part on me too. Like, I was too hard on him when I was kind of going after him during that time." I, I think the advantage that a coach like Monty has is that he spent time in the college ranks with the University of Denver and had such great right. experience with that. So when you're working with kids that are between 17 and let's just say 2021. 20, I mean, that can help you at the NHL level because you have to be patient with kids. Right. And when you get up to the pro level, you know, you just can't grind on them all the time. I mean, that is definitely one of the things I noticed on this streak is the relaxation and the smiles of the players. And it felt as though they were playing without pressure. They were just playing. And when you have that flow and when you have that confidence and as you talked about, you know, once you start winning, that confidence builds. And we've seen that with Jamie Benn. Yeah. You know, not afraid to make a mistake. Well, and he mentioned, too, you know, one thing that we've talked about on this podcast a million times is how it seemed like they were afraid to make not the perfect pass, not that slam dunk goal. And he said that he goes... They were just trying just too hard almost. They were they were so worried about everything going on around them and, and getting off to that bad start and all the media coverage coming out where, hey, another year where, hey, the Dallas Stars are going to be awesome, and then they come out flat and they're not the team that you expected them to be. He just brought up, you know, if you look at him now, and he pointed to Dowling in this sense as well. He said that Dowling's one of the best players in terms of making decisions like, when to get rid of the puck, when to shoot the puck, when to dump it in the corner, when to do all that. And that goes into that intelligent game that Dowling plays. So he he, he was really proud of his team, obviously, and, and what they've accomplished. But it's we're super early in the season. They've already been through a lot of adversity and, and made it through that. And maybe hopefully that'll, you know, translate and really help them down the stretch this year. This yeah, season. I think, uh, you know, time to start another streak. And as I yeah. mentioned, you got... Uh, a couple of tough games coming up, uh, including St. Louis, and they haven't matched up the greatest against the Blues. So mm. 
That's um, just a tough matchup that's for anybody. A tough matchup for anybody. Defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, it helps that Bertuzzo is going to be out just a little bit. Tarasenko, you know, it's not going to be there, but they still have a lot of weapons. Yeah. And they grind on you. And and that's the thing about this stretch is you're playing a couple of teams like Vegas the other night. Yeah, you beat them and Vegas isn't on their game. But man, you walk out of playing with Vegas and you know, your your legs are hurting, your arms yeah. are hurting, you know. Vegas likes to hit. Vegas likes to, you know, grind. That's the way they play. That's their style. They like to go in the corners. And I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because I noticed that I, I went to that game and I I noticed that the stars stepped up their physical play as well. You know, I saw they Tyler did. Sagan throwing hits. Jamie Benn was throwing his weight around it. They they knew the challenge was there and they rose up to it. And I I expect that to be the case when the Blues get here on Friday. Including one of the goals was scored after a Ryan Reeves big hit from yeah. Vegas, which a smart player will probably do that. At times, you do have to show retaliation. You're mm. probably not going to show it up against big number seventy five. Yeah. However, you know that's the best answer to physical play is to push the puck forward past that play and, and score. Uh, yeah. Probably caught a break that we were seeing uh, Subban, Subban in yeah. instead of Fleury. I didn't think he played bad, but uh, once he again, struggled early on. He struggled early that on. First period. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely uh, one or two that you know he was mad, especially that second. I thought he really was upset that yeah. he he should have. Was that the third one where it was Dickinson and it just kind of cut? Yeah, it just went through yeah. his arms yeah. barely. Like yeah, he he was close, and obviously he's nowhere nearly as good as. Flurry. I mean, yeah, not a lot of people are, but yeah, I think I think there's a lot of good things though that you can take out of that game, and obviously from the streak, and you know they dropped one to the to the Blackhawks, but that's going to happen. They weren't going to win the rest of the, whatever 50 games are left or however many. So yeah, and I think uh, during this stretch, uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast and the other night against Vegas, and uh, was the play of Ben Bishop and how good he's been this year. Yeah, and it's just one of those things that's kind of taken for granted and. You know, he let in a couple of goals the other night, and, uh, you know, that's all he's going to let in. I mean, we forget. I mean, our goalies are not letting up four or five goals. I mean, you go around the NHL, you know, there are some six to five games or five to four, and that's going to happen every once in a while. But so far, you know, and, and throughout last year, the Stars have done a real good job as far as holding the opponents down as far mm. as scoring average. That's that's been a big that's been a big thing and that kind of falls under the Montgomery category of what you want to see is be aggressive on the offensive side but make sure defensively your assignments are covered um, and you're tough on the blue line and you're winning faceoffs and you know strong net minding and so I mean I always like to mention Ben Bishop because I think he's kind of uh, forgotten I think Hudobin's playing really well yeah but, he is um, you know. He played out of his mind the other night, Hudobin, with some of the saves that he was making um, on Saturday night. I guess the save against the Blackhawks. Basically, Hudobin was your first star. Yes. Um, you know, he was just one of those stops was just truly amazing. And how he held the pad when it was getting pressure to slip in to the net yeah, uh, was I, outstanding. Yeah, very, very impressive. I mean, both goalies, they have the best tandem in the league. It's, yeah. I don't think that there's really any debate. Uh, when it comes to that, so you know that's one of the reasons that this team is going to be able to should see the postseason, especially at this point, which I can't believe I'm saying now. <laughs> like you said, after the beat, after the start that they got off to, um, but still good times with uh, the Dallas Stars. Would you want to hit the uh, the mailbag here? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're gonna we hit the mailbag, and we also have our top five. 
Uh, let me uh, pull it up. Yep, yep. As far as uh, today's uh, mailbag, because we just put it out. We like to be as current as possible. And the question comes from our friend IndyCar Tim. He says, yeah. Can you guys grade Jim Montgomery as a head coach this season with regards to all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams? Special teams, A, plus, probably, as far as um, killing penalties. uh, Power play, I'd probably give a B. Yeah. The penalty kill is definitely the strength between those two units, but it's also... I mean, unless you got a team like the Lightning or the Capitals. I mean, even the Stars, though, now have that that firepower. You look at both units, and you're like, I, I don't really want to see either one of those on the ice if you're a penalty kill unit. I would definitely say A-plus for the penalty kill. I would probably go with a B-minus, though, with the, with the power play. They have done a better job of getting the puck on the net, but sometimes I still see them having trouble just setting up in the opposing zone, so... I can, I can see that. I, I think the expectations are so high for the power play because yeah. of the firepower they have. And, and that's... So yeah. when they miss, it's like, oh my goodness. And, it, and to us, we look at them like, you guys, look, you have Pavelski, you got Sagan, Ben, Radulov, you list off the names, you're like, how does this not work? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but you gotta remember, you know, there, there's a lot more to it than just the name and the talent level on these players. The other guys that they're throwing out there for the penalty kill, um, sometimes it's just not your night, you know, just... How it goes. I also think there's so many offensive skill players on the power play that sometimes they make that extra pass when they don't need to. Right. You know, they're trying to get it to all players, try to get everyone, you know, involved. I think Klingberg's going to help that power play a lot as he gets more comfortable. Offensively, defensively, we both talked and we both feel as though offensively the the best is still yet to come. Um, I think as Gurionov sees more seasoning. Um, the puck starts to go into the net for him more. He's getting mm-hmm. his chances. They're just not going in right now. Um, you know, hints coming back from injury. It might take a couple games to get his real legs back. Uh, but, you know, this is really one of the first times in, you know, a few weeks that they're truly healthy. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, offensively, they're going to start to move the puck better in the next few games. And uh, defensively, once again, injuries are gone now. And you have your top six. I think Jamie Alexiak has absolutely been one of the unheralded players on this team. I talk about it all the time on the podcast. Just a solid guy. Now paired with uh, Miro Haskinen. I think it's a real effective uh, uh, pairing. And uh, Sekera Polak, I think, is doing a good job. I think Sekera's settled in nice to that third pairing. Yeah. I thought when he was up with the second pairing, it might have been a little too much on him. A little too much ice time. A little too much ice time. Yeah. But, you know, having those guys as a third pair. And He's one able- of those great, like, 8 to 10, yeah. maybe 12-minute kind of uh, defenseman. Right, exactly. And having Polak there, and if you need Fadoon, he's there available. So I think defensively, uh, they are real good right now. Next question comes from Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom. Oh, yeah, he's back. Yeah. What lines or pairings do you think are working best for the Stars? Also, how significant is the Stars' play so far this season? So the lines and pairings, I still think that Ben Dowling and Sagan so far has been my favorite. With Dickinson can be fitting there as well. But that's been my favorite line to watch all year just because the grit that Dickinson and Dowling both group bring, and then the skill level and the uh, the offensive scoring touch that Sagan and Ben you know have had for their over for their whole career. Obviously, they've at one point they were struggling to find it here, but I think that that's my favorite 
my favorite line, I think my favorite pairing is the one that you just brought up in Miro Haskinen and Jamie Alexiak. You know, I think, like you said, I mean, he's the perfect big defenseman to pair with your finesse, smaller defenseman in Miro, who's who's moving the puck a lot. And the way that they just like, the way they work in concert with each other, either when it's communicating with Ben Bishop or communicating with one another, you can tell that they have a great chemistry together and that they like they enjoy and and just work very well together. It's absolutely amazing the confidence of Jamie Alexiak compared to his first tap prior to leaving for Pittsburgh in yeah. a trade. Yeah, it's 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 a it's totally night different. And day. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Me personally, as I mentioned, I like to see Dennis Gurionov with Rope Hans. I love that speed. Uh, I'm going to go to the third and fourth lines for pairings that I enjoy. I really like Corey Perry when he's with Radic Foxa. I think that gives teams a lot of issues. They're pretty good defensively. Um, and I think Cogliano and Como also cause some problems, you know, on the fourth line. Uh, so I would like to see those guys uh, stay together. I think Yanmark is serviceable. I think he's a third and fourth line player. I don't yeah. see Matias Yanmark now on the first and second lines at yeah. this point, which. I think shows the uh, shows the depth. So those are the pairings uh, that I like. Uh, Zach Friesen at Friesen underscore four asks us, "Hey guys, really enjoy the podcast. What are your thoughts on the Bortuzzo suspension length? Also thoughts on Bennington trying to shove Arvidsson while he was getting up. Just him being a hothead. We talked about that on the last podcast about Bennington can get hot at times and." Hopefully we'll see that and they'll throw off his game on Friday night. Um, but we can also talk about the Bortuzzo suspension length, which is four games. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously that's a big blow for the uh, for the St. Louis Blues not to have Pau Bortuzzo. But I, I don't know what did you think that that's the right amount of time for it? I I don't I never like doing the whole you know judging unless it's a guy like yeah. Miles Garrett swinging a helmet at somebody coming out and saying hey this guy needs to be suspended for at least the end of the season but for Bortuzzo I mean he does have a history of kind of being a dirty player um I think was it it was Bortuzzo that would take some extra hacks at Jamie Benn after after plays in their in their playoff series last year um for me the four games I I guess I'll rock with it, but I, what do you think about the uh, the Bortuzzo suspension? I mean, I, yeah, I'm fine with four games. I think it's rare you, you know, see much longer than yeah. that, and unless, unless you're Todd Bertuzzi, you know, pushing yeah, some exactly. dude's face. Yeah, in the I, I would say the best thing to do to me out of all the leagues, the NHL does the best job explaining why the suspension length is what it is and they replay, and that's on NHL Player Safety has its own Twitter account. So they come out with the suspension, and they actually explain why the suspension occurred, and they talk about whether or not the player has had previous incidents which would lead to a larger Mm -hmm. uh, suspension, and they really break it down where you watch it and you say, okay, four games. I think four games is fair. I'm sure the NHL will be watching him for the rest of the season. Right. But, you know, I'm glad he's not in the lineup uh, Friday night against yeah, the Stars. Too. You know, it's just one extra piece that's out of the lineup. But kind of his job to go in there and grind and create havoc. Uh, but, boy, that was a bad cross-check. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the cross-check like that is what, I mean, any cross-check like that is what they're trying to get out of the game yeah. as well. So. 
It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. So that's our mailbag for the week. All right. We head to the NHL power rankings. All right. We're going to go with CBSSports.com here. Are they stealing from me? I don't know. We're about to find out. All right. CBS Sports has at number one the New York Islanders. We have a different list. Oh, good. Coming in at Hawks number one, the Washington Capitals. All right. So they've lost two in a row, but... Despite those two losses, they're 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10. So they're facing some in, in, injuries. We've been talking about Nick Backstrom and how good he is. So he suffered an upper body injury, and he's going to be out for a while. Uh, that's a big loss for the top offensive team in the NHL. But still, 6-2-2, two, and two, they got to still be number one. Washington Capitals are on a tear. Yeah, so number two here with CBS Sports, we got the Boston Bruins. I do not have the Boston Bruins, but I do have the Boston Bruins on my list. I have the New York Islanders. How can you not okay. have the Islanders at the top of your list? Yeah. They just on Monday night ended a 17-game point streak. I mean, that, like, we're talking about the stars down here. Yeah. What Dallas did doesn't compare to what the Islanders just went on. Right. What an amazing streak. Uh, for a team that really not a lot of people pay attention to. And I do want to point out, um, Islanders at the AAC on December 7th. It's coming up. Get your tickets now. To me, that's an underrated game. That's one of those games. You know, yeah, it might not be the Montreal Canadiens, Pittsburgh Penguins, Capitals, or Bruins coming to town, but that is a very good team to see. One of the top teams in the NHL right now. Tomas Grice is a very good goaltender that people need to talk about. He was the backup last year, Mm -hmm. now taking the number one spot. Um, And Matthew Barcel is a terrific player. We should have got him in the NHL draft. I'm a little bitter about that, you know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, 20 points in the last 22 games. All right, number three, they have the Washington Capitals. Number three, I have the Edmonton Oilers. Okay. So I am pro Dave Tippett. I liked him when he coached the Stars, but Dave Tippett got that reputation as far as being a defensive coach. Now, what happened during the Dave Tippett era? Bankruptcy with the Dallas Stars. Yeah. Therefore, they couldn't get a lot of the scores. They got Brad Richards, but other than that, they were a defensive-minded team. Yeah. So then he gets let go and he goes to Arizona once again. Financial issues. Has to do a defensive-minded system. Mm-hmm. So everyone labeled... Dave Tippett as a defensive-minded coach, despite the fact that before he was in Dallas, he came to Dallas as an offensive-minded coach from the L.A. Kings. Now he goes to Edmonton, and they are lighting it up. Edmonton 16-7-3. They might do it tonight's game against Colorado, but they have two two players bordering 50 points. Dreisaitl. Has 48 points, which leads the league. Connor McDavid, 47 points. So I have the Edmonton Oilers at third. Number four, the St. Louis Blues. I have the Bruins at number three. Um, Bruins have won uh, four in a row. Uh, They're still doing it without Patrice Bergeron. David Pasternak, uh, first player in the NHL to go over 20 goals. Terrific player. So Tuka Rask, solid in net. They're just a good team. Number five, that's where they have the Edmonton Oilers. I have the St. Louis Blues, Friday's opponents. All right. Despite the injuries, still playing good hockey, despite suspensions. Um, 
One of the players that I want people to watch on Friday night that doesn't get talked about, we've talked about him on this Sweaters Forever podcast, is Colton Pareko. Mm. I really have him as one of the top NHL defensemen. When you watch, he can carry the puck. He's a big man. He's got a deadly slap shot on the power play. You know, he just shuts down people defensively. So, while he's not one of those named players, I want you to look at number 55 on Friday night, Colton Pareko. He's a good one. All right, now we've done this the last couple of weeks. I want you to guess where they have the Dallas Stars on this list. Because obviously it's not top five. Eight. You are correct. Yes! That is where they have the Dallas Stars. And uh, CBS did this thing where by each team they did, uh, what are they thankful for? Obviously we got Thanksgiving tomorrow. We're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. They said the thankful that the first month of the season doesn't actually count, which is confusing to me yeah. because it definitely does count. And if it didn't, they would be even better by this point, right? But uh, yeah, that's you know, good job. You nailed uh, you nailed the list. I guess maybe you told them to put that in number nah. eight. Huh? <laughs> good to be in the top ten. Yeah, right. It's, you Finally. know, the, NA, the NHL is recognizing the Dallas Stars and, and and for good reason. I mean, there's so much season left, right? But. You know, what an amazing turnaround. It truly is an amazing turnaround. I mean, we were talking whether or not they should fire Montgomery. Is Jamie Ben going to, you know, what do we do with Jamie Ben? And it was last week that uh, we were talking about Babcock yeah. getting fired. And he gets fired either while we're talking about it or right after we recorded this episode. So Mike that Babcock, episode. yeah, Mike Babcock gets fired. And this is where we go back to Jim Montgomery about being kind of that players coach, being tough on players. I mean... The stuff that came out about Babcock immediately after getting fired about how bad of a coach he was yeah. and how he treated the players and yeah. his ego got in the way, it was absolutely crazy. Yeah, and I you mean, saw the, what came out after all that too, which we can get in on we can get into on a totally different yeah. episode. But yeah, yeah real yeah. ugly, ugly uh situation. For those that don't know, Bill Peters, the head coach of the Calgary Flames will not be coaching the Flames tonight. Uh, This is based on they're investigating an incident that happened a while ago. Bill Peters actually uh, was with Babcock in college, and uh, they're talking about Peters using racial slurs on a player and uh, also uh, physically going after a player, basically kicking a player. Yeah. So Peters is with the team, but he's staying at the hotel uh, was was not at the team practice. Calgary's investigating it. They're not going to say any more on the uh, on the matter. But uh, well, you know, they asked Rod Brindamore about it, and he came out and he said it's absolutely true. Yeah. So that's tough. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, when when you know, there's that code in athletics where you don't. It really has to be bad, in my opinion, to talk. Right. You know. I mean, and, yeah. And they, that's been brought up before locker room culture and all yeah. that sort of stuff and what you say or what's heard in the locker room. Right. It's like it's it's like a like if you go to see stand up comedy. You know, you're going there and the jokes that they say are gonna be offensive because that's you're going to a stand up comedy show. I feel like that's kinda how a locker room is treated in terms of the things that are said and all that. But this is uh, way, way above and beyond that in terms of um, you know, the malicious intent and just the 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 totally unnecessary mistreatment of of the players. Yeah, this was uh when he was with Rockford and the player's name was Alou and yes. the, the one thing he came out and said which 
boy, stick tap to him for coming out was he said, not a day goes by that I don't think about it and why I didn't say something at the time. Yeah. But he was a young guy in his 20s. Think of his situation. He's trying to make it. He's trying to make it. And now all of a sudden, he ends up in the ECHL. And basically, he says Bill Peters ruined his career. So I think the NHL, obviously, and the Calgary Flames are going to take this very seriously. But, you know, I think it's awesome that Brenda Moore comes out like that. Yeah. I think it's awesome that other players speak out. You know, I mean, especially when it's a guy like Rod Brindamore. Like, yeah. It helps other people then. They're like, okay, well, he. Yeah, Rod Brindamore is a tough guy. Yes. And so for him to come out and say things like that, a guy that has been in the league for a long time as a player and now as a coach, uh, stick tap to all those guys because it's going to make the league better. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for this episode of uh, the Sweaters Forever podcast. Ended it on a pretty sour note, but the good news is tomorrow is Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, uh, you know, happy yeah. Thanksgiving to everybody. We'll and return after a Cowboys win. We'll yeah. return after a, a star sweep over the weekend. Yeah. First against St. Louis and then uh, a Sunday tilt against the Minnesota Wild. So, uh, go Stars, man. Let's, yeah. uh, let's keep this... Uh, Let's keep this streak going. I'm really interested to see how they come out on Friday night. Me too. And uh, I'm interested to see you, the uh, subscriber, if you'll uh, share this podcast like we told you on the last episode. Let everybody know. If you're a Stars fan, if you're a hockey fan, you need to check out the Sweaters Forever podcast uh, from 105.3 The Fan. Uh, Hawk, appreciate the time, man. It's yeah. always good talking uh, yeah, a little man. puck with you. And yeah, stick tap to you. Happy Thanksgiving yes, to you sir. and your family, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours as well. And uh, we love you, everybody.